Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. This podcast was recorded at our Christmas Eve service and contains both a message delivered from our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, as well as a congregational singing of O Come All Ye Faithful. You can find additional resources and our message archives on our website at brookwoodchurch.org or on our Brookwood app. We've arrived again at Christmas Eve. And we're all excited about the prospect of not only celebrating the arrival of Jesus tomorrow morning, but open a lot of presents with family and friends. Each week this month, I have focused on different Christmas traditions and tried to help us discover how and why we celebrate this occasion. But more importantly, we've explored what the Christmas story teaches us about the nature of God. For God's always on display and he shows his character, yes, his nature, but even his personality in that very first Christmas. Today's focus is on the presence of God, which is stated very powerfully at John 1, verse 10. He came into the very world he created. Let's consider the origin of gift giving for just a moment, which many of us refer to as receiving presents, don't we? Like many Christmas traditions, gift giving did not have a Christian beginning. It originated in the Roman holiday of Saturnalia, which was the worship of the unconquered sun. And it was recognized on the shortest day of the year, the winter solstice, which usually is December 21st. And it was celebrated by, among other things, by gift giving. In 336 AD, Roman Emperor Constantine declared the entire Roman Empire to be Christian. And he established December 25th as the birth date of Christ. In addition, he connected this giving of gifts to the Magi who came presenting gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh to Jesus. You know, today, children in Spain still receive gifts from the Magi, or as some call them, the three kings. And they received them on January the 5th from the three kings whose names are Gaspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. Another source for the origin of gift giving was the generosity of a saint named Nicholas to children in Holland. And Saint Nicholas, it was believed, would leave food and clothes and fruit in the wooden shoes of children that were left by the fireplace. Now those wooden shoes were replaced here in America, by woolen socks or stockings that were hung on the mantle beginning in the 1700s. Many of our Christmas traditions or customs actually were received from a poem written in 1822 
called A Visit from St. Nicholas, but more popularly known as Twas the Night Before Christmas, written by an Episcopal seminary professor named Clement Moore. The most important Christmas tradition, however, is to remember God's greatest gift to us, his son who appeared on earth over 2,000 years ago in the form of a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and laid in the feeding trough of an animal, a manger. Now, who would have guessed that this child from peasant parents was the long-promised Messiah, the Savior, and certainly not God in human flesh? But there was one person who did, a woman, a woman who lived constantly in the presence of God, whose name was Anna. You see, Mary and Joseph, along with Jesus, went to the temple 40 days after Jesus' birth because they had to offer a sacrifice, you see, for the purification of Mary following her delivery. You find that in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. And in Luke chapter 2, 36, we read, Anna, a prophet, which means a person who spoke not only the words of God, but spoke the message of God, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when she had been married only seven years. And then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. Widows of that day, women of that day, in fact, did not work outside their homes. And widows received no government assistance. So the loss of a husband caused not only grief and emotional pain, but also potential poverty, poverty occurred and deprivation. Some widows, in fact, resorted to begging to support themselves. Now, the law of God required that Israelites should provide for widows and orphans. The problem was that these Israelites were not wealthy and the needs were many. Now, perhaps Anna, who was acknowledged as a prophet, was allowed to live in one of the apartments that were found at the temple. For you see, when the priests would come during their two weeks of annual service, they had a place to stay there. And perhaps one of these was given as an act of charity to this woman, Anna. Anna, you see, lived without a husband for many years. Was she lonely? Did she live in continual sorrow and fear? I don't think so. Because Anna sought the presence of God continually, it says, and she found comfort and peace as she worshiped and fasted and prayed. Some of us gathered here tonight are in the midst of loss. You might be in the grip of fear. But you too can find comfort and peace in the presence of God. But the presence of God doesn't often just fall easily. We seek him. And we seek him through worship as we lift our voices. We seek him through fasting as we deny ourselves to focus on him and his word 
and his presence. And we call on him, speaking to him and listening to his response. Anna lived in the hopeful expectation of seeing the arrival of the Messiah. And she did see him. Verse 38 says, Then she, lit, she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph. And she began praising God, possibly because what she heard Simeon say, or perhaps the Holy Spirit just whispered in her mind, here's the Messiah. And she talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. She spoke about the arrival of the Savior, the Messiah, the one that God had promised in his covenant to Abraham over 2,000 years earlier. But not all received it, and some were entering the temple and walked right by this child and his parents. But there's a remnant, you see, that was awaiting him and were given eyes to see and ears to hear. And they had the ability to recognize the truth that Anna spoke and confirmed in the identity of this child. Matthew 2, verse 22, tells us this, just as David read it earlier. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. We don't have to visit a temple today to worship God. We don't have to go to a building to experience his presence. In fact, God doesn't dwell in buildings, not even this one. If God's present with us today, it's because he came in his spirit being within you. Because when you were born again, the spirit of God resides within each one of us and remains permanently within us. The evidence of that new birth and the evidence of the Spirit being within is a transformation that occurs in us as our faith is refined and our behavior changes. We begin telling others of the great experience that we have had with God through His Spirit, just like Anna. You know, tonight we light candles. And these candles represent the good news. And by lighting these candles from each other's candle, it represents the spreading of the gospel, one person to another. First Peter 2 9 he's trying to blow it out <laughs> but you are God's chosen and special people I hope you know that God has brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light 
if you know him, if you've been born again. But if that's happened, now you must tell all the wonderful things he has done. Who have you told this year? And who's God speaking to you right now that you ought to tell? Sharing light with each other represents us telling our faith stories. You don't have to quote scripture. You don't have to be able to explain the whole plan of salvation. You just have to tell what you've seen and experienced and you know truly, just like Anna. If you're born again by faith in Jesus, you too have seen the Savior. His identity has been confirmed by the Holy Spirit. And you have the privilege and the responsibility to tell someone. Ask God right now who you should tell and who you should be praying for. Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a bushel, under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. Are you concealing your faith? Or are you sharing your message? Let it show. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out. For all, <laughs> let me, for all to see. So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Ephesians 5.8 says, For once you were full of darkness, and now you have... You have light from the Lord, fire from the Lord. So live as people of light. Please stand as we sing, O come all ye faithful.
I want you to blow out the light that you have in your hand. Blow. <gasps> Poof. But let the light shine that you have in your heart. Now, please return the candle to where you received it. Counselors will be here and there'll be someone also in the care connection room <laughs> to talk with you and to pray with you and they'll anoint you with oil for, for healing if you like. Pick up your Christmas at home devotional as you leave through any door you wish and have a Merry Christmas. Thank you for coming.